You're listening to Rock Solid People, a podcast by Max King. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. And so uh, welcome to Rock Solid People, a podcast where I speak to amazing and interesting individuals in the disability space. And today I'm very pleased to have with me Jodie Rogers. Jodie, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you going? Good, thank you. Now, Jodie Rogers... You established Birds and Bees after 25 years of working within education, disability and sexuality fields. Jodie's a qualified sexologist, counsellor and special education teacher and has worked in Australia and overseas across the lifespan within early intervention schools, adult and community settings in the, both the disability and sexual health fields. Unique combination and experience, Jodie has developed counselling and training programmes that make learning about the complex area of sexuality both comfortable and relevant. And I'm really excited to have you here today to talk to us about your experience, your journey, and your history, uh, and, and also just, I guess, shining a light on what is sometimes an awkward, uh, but it shouldn't be, uh, awkward phase of everybody's lives. Uh, yes. I've, got a teenage son. Oh. I've got a teenage son. He's 17 years old. Uh, he's probably going to be holding his head in shame if you know <laughs> <laughs> On, uh, on my podcast. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have with him. And yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Birds and Bees, your uh, counselling, education and consulting services. Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about it uh, and how you got into this. Well, I've got, I've got sort of four different postgraduate qualifications. Right. So okay. originally I was working within the disability space, but as I have worked in you know, and disability services and specialise really in working with people with cognitive disability and autism. But because I'd started in education and I'm old, so when I started in education, it was sort of 80s, one of the things that became really pronounced to me was that, one, at that point, there was really a lot of lacking in really high-quality sexuality education for young people, particularly as they were hitting their adolescence. And then what I realised as I sort of progressed through my career, was that once somebody transitioned from school into adult services, we spent a lot of time talking about independent skills, employment skills, you know, where people are going to live. But we seemed to drop the ball where it came to relationship skills. I'm not, you know, we talk about community access and developing friendships and things like that. But, you know, as adults, majority of the population would say that part of our, well, it's research, part of our sense of well-being and our mental health is really based around our relationships, which includes intimate, you know, romantic relationships. And I just found that that was was sort of lacking. So I ended up doing, one of my degrees of the four was a master's in sexual health. And I basically did that to put my money where my mouth was and then specialised in um, in that degree, specialised in working with people with cognitive disability or neurological disability or diversity. Um, and then when that kind of shift happened between NDIS, I was sort of like, you know, because I was working in a managerial role and I really had to think about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. And, and I just thought, oh, I might just throw my hat in the ring and just see if I set up a private practice that was consistently based on providing um, sex therapy and sexology and counselling for people with intellectual disability. Would this work? I gave myself six months. Yep. yep. Uh, that was that was six years ago. 
and wow. nearly seven. So, and I haven't looked back since. Wow, fantastic! Yeah. And, and I, I'm assuming that when you got into this, and, and you know, as, as it says in your bio, you know, you've got a 25 years of working in the in the, in the space. Yeah. Was there some? Was have you found a, a a change in people's attitudes, not just to just to the overall conversation? You know, was it something that was uh, was was less inclined? People were less inclined previously to have conversations around people with cognitive disabilities ah. and their requirements, or, or their general um, just basic human needs for relationships. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, oh, well, you can imagine well. within that time period, at one point, um, people. Well, I mean, there's still a part of the community that would would not even think about this, or would think about this that people that was aligned that people with a disability really did were asexual didn't even dissolve it was either one thing or another either people with a disability were and I'm really talking about cognitive disability or some people thought physical disability too were either completely asexual um would not desire any type of sexual relationship or, or on the other hand were completely oversexed so there was these kind of two ideas about how this worked and I think that's so interesting because it's like we label somebody, but then when we label them, we also label them for the whole of their life. Yeah. And, you know, sexuality spans across a lifetime. So, and just because you've got disability does not mean you're not a sexual being in any no. shape or form. And, um, you know, sexuality is not just about the act of sex. Sexuality no. is also about our our gender, our body image, our sensuality, which is really an important component for many autistic people. You know, it's huge. It's a huge area. And so in my um, practice now, counselling practice, I cover all of those those areas as well. But a lot of my, my time is about really providing good psychosexual counselling education to help people make informed decisions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, amazing. And so then you were obviously... Um, the resident expert on love on the spectrum. How did love on the spectrum come across you? Was it uh, was it a, a marriage made in heaven? Uh, well, no. One, I refuse <laughs> to let them call me an expert because I think anyone who says they're a relationship <laughs> expert has definitely got something going on. As we know, relationships are really complex and you can't be an expert in relationships. We're all fumbling our way through most of the time. Aren't we just? But, um, no, it was one of those things of, it was somebody who knew somebody. I was actually presenting at a sexologist conference in Sydney and was presenting at a sexologist conference to sort, sort of support sex therapists about how we change our counselling practice when we are providing counselling for an autistic person. And um, Northern Pictures, who were the production company, had heard of me. They basically wanted me to help them find more autistic people. So, oh, here's this woman that works within this space of relationships and sexuality for autistic people. So I had popped in there just because I was in Sydney to pick up some flyers to um, to help them find some more autistic people. But when they met me, I don't know what happened actually, Max. I think they just – I was as relaxed as I am with you at the moment yeah. and I just yeah, think yeah. they thought, oh, hang on a minute, this might be something good. Also what I think they were realising is as they were doing the filming because the filming's it's called a doco series, which means they just put the camera on and they don't turn it off. And then they edit it down to what they need. But I think what they were finding too is that some of the people who were on that first season just needed some help. You know, they needed more, you know, they needed some encouragement and they needed some help about some of them it was their very, very first date ever and they were being filmed going on their first date ever in their lives on television. And that puts you in a really vulnerable position. Very so, much so. Yeah. 
So, yeah, really, it was more of a case of somebody knew somebody knew somebody. And I would imagine exactly as you said there, you know, the people on their first date, or even if you're not, I mean, even if you filmed me on a date with my wife, uh, you know, if you put a camera in my face, I think it would be very confronting. Um, And if it's your first date and all of a sudden, and, you know, that's, I I mean, hats off to to them for all taking part in this. You know, it's for me, even originally I went, there is no way I am doing this because, it's a very vulnerable position to put yourself. You know, even just imagine, don't even think about a date with somebody. Think about somebody coming in with a camera and filming you at work for four hours straight. I'm talking about if you need to go to the toilet, you have to say, oh, hi, can I go to the toilet? Um, you know, you, it is a very vulnerable position to put yourself in. And for me, there was two things. One, I'd never been on television. I didn't really know how it worked. But two, I have really, really high standards of my work and I have very high standards in upholding somebody's confidentiality. And part of being a counsellor is de- is developing deep rapport and a genuine relationship with somebody. And to do that on telly, very complex and difficult. Sure, sure. And whilst you were there as, uh, so I won't use the word experts. Specialist, uh, I like to say. Specialist, specialist, <laughs> thank you. Uh, whilst you were there as a specialist and obviously there to to as, you know assist in your professional role, what has what being on the show taught you? What's the lessons that you've taken away from it? Um, do you know what? Some of the things that I, I learnt from it, well, one, I learned a lot about just television itself because I had no idea how that worked and how you can be filmed for, you know, four hours and cut down to four minutes. You have to really trust the production team. So, you know, just learning about that. So, but more than anything else, what I learned was when we work within the disability field, you know how you think everybody knows what you know? Yep. So I constantly think that everybody knows what I know, but I've had, well, nearly 30 years working within the disability field and particularly with autistic people. So I think everybody knows autism. I think everybody understands this. So what I found really incredible was the amount of people from just the general population that don't spend their day-to-day hanging out with um, people with disability, just how many people, were so, they learnt so much from it, yeah. really yeah. learnt from it. And also that thing of just the, you know, I can walk down the street at home and somebody say, oh, how's you know, Michael, how's Kelvin or whatever. It's like people created a relationship with these people on the telly and had a vested interest in their lives. But I think that was the number one thing. What I realised is that we still have a long way to go in educating the general community just about, so what? You know, people have a disability. It's just any kind of difference that we have in life. But there's still a lot of them and us that yep. is seen by the general population. And and what I learned a lot from the show was just breaking down. We continually have to break down those barriers. And even though that's been something I've known for 30 years, it continues to be something that every single person within the disability sector has to uphold as being really important, that we need to continually be educating the general community. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think the show has has gone a long way to that. I mean, it's one of the things that has, I mean, it's definitely broken ground for, as, far, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And, and has there been, has it been taken up? It's, a, it's an Australian-based production. Yeah. So originally, and that's probably why I said yes to it to start with, Max, because it was on the ABC and I thought I was going to be on one episode with Michael, which is the first episode of the first yeah. season. So I went, oh, yeah, I'll do it once. <laughs> and then, you know, then I had to go do a few more times with them in that first season. Um, and then it got it got so well known in Australia for, on an ABC television, word of mouth in Australia got out and it became so popular in Australia that then Netflix saw it. And so the yeah. first season went global on Netflix in 2020, I think. 
Um, the second season came out in the ABC this year. It's already globally. It's in 208 countries. It's wow. uh, in seven different languages. And um, it comes out on Netflix Australia in December because, you know, the ABC had it. So, you know, my original idea is I thought I'd be on three minutes of television on the ABC. Oh. And now it's, yeah, two seasons are international. And so, I mean, I guess the upside of that is, the upshot of that is, and what generally happens is that local production crews start finding, finding their own version of Love on the Spectrum in their own countries, in their own languages, yeah. with their own nuances of dating, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So the, the positive and spin-out effects of this will be enormous. Yeah, will be huge. huge. Yeah, it'll be huge. That is that is quite a, a, a touching point. I, I love the fact that you, whilst your private practice has undoubtedly helped hundreds of people, no doubt about it. But yeah. you know, the, the consequence of what you've now done on Love on the Spectrum is is enormous. It, yeah, it, in the yeah. millions. Yeah, and I think that that's a really beautiful thing. That when when I was thinking about whether I'd do it or not do it, you know, I think when you've got the the level of experience that I have and the level of um, both theoretical and practical because, you know, I started my career as a support worker when I was 19, 18, yes. 19, and so I, this has been my whole life. And so to have that combination of a lot of theoretical understanding and um, and the qualifications, but more than anything else, it's it's 25, nearly 30 years of hanging out with people with a disability yeah. every day. Yeah. And for me, that's probably where I ended up saying, okay, yes, I'm going to say yes to this because it's much more about the greater good. It was much more to say, you know, well, how many people is this going to help? And it wasn't really people, it wasn't autistic people. Autistic people don't know. No, 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 no. Helping it's, everybody. It's, it's helping everybody. everybody else. It's helping everybody. It's helping yeah. communities understand individuals that might have, uh, it, whether it's diagnosed or undiagnosed, but might just be, you know, different, mm. you know, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's the most amazing thing. And I mm. think, you know, I, I don't know how you can extrapolate it because if you say it's going to so many countries and being seen by so many people, the, the positive and consequences of what you've what you've done and what the show's achieved is, is unbelievable. And, yeah. and look, we've we've have heard you say that you love working with autistic people. Yeah. Um, what, what do you? What do you? What, why? Why is that something that resonates with you so strongly? Oh, well, I just like people. You know, I love people. I <laughs> you, seem love like, people. you seem like a very friendly person. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I think the, the thing about, um, you know, I can see seven to eight clients a day and, you know, I've hung out with autistic people for a long time, but I learn something new and different. Every single, every single autistic person that I hang out with teaches me a, a new way of perceiving the world, a new way of interacting with the world, a new way of communicating, a new way. So I'm constantly learning. Every day I'm constantly learning from autistic people and it's so much, um, yeah, I'm challenged all the time. I'm constantly challenged because if you think about the fact that I have to, and we, we're only really, you know, the autism it hasn't been a stagnant sort of diagnosis. In my lifetime I've seen it change four times and we're continuing to learn about human neurology. So on one hand I've got to keep up to date and keep up to date with the changing understanding of human neurology and, and people who are diverse in the neurology. But on the other hand, I'm a sexologist, so I also have to keep up with where the world is shifting and changing in terms of our understanding of sexuality and gender and gender orient, you know, sexual orientation. So I, I every single day of my life I am learning and learning about t- two things that I love, people, I shouldn't say, and sex, but, but that's that, no, you know, sexuality. People, yeah. 
people and sexuality. I think yeah. I mean that's a very strong point. And, and actually, that was the yeah. Obviously, you have chosen that. You put your money where your mouth is. One of your PhDs, as you mentioned, or, or, or degrees was was um, in sexual health. Yeah. Well, 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 you know that that's a that's a choice to 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 go down that pathway. Do you do you feel it was a calling? Do you think that it was something that was that you know um, that was. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a calling in terms of that, as I was saying to you, I think one of the most important things and one of the most beautiful things in life is a relationship where we can be very vulnerable and intimate with another person. So I've always believed that. But the other thing for me is that I, throughout my career, I have really, um, I've really believed in upholding the rights of people with a disability. I think if you work, if you are a, a person who is able-bodied or neurotypical, then, then our job is to stand up for the rights of people with disability. And, and in Australia, we ratified the Convention of Rights of People with Disability and part of that is upholding a, a, the basic human right to comprehensive sexuality education, for people to be able to express themselves sexually how they want to, for people to make informed choices about relationships and their fertility and you know, who they marry, when they marry, all of this, if they want to marry or not, you know, all of that is a basic human right. And those basic human rights need to be extended for people with a disability. And if they're not, then we're letting down the community that we say that we're supporting. So, you know, we, you can pick a massive range of things within our field of, of where you want to support people that are not getting um, equality. And for me, an equity, and for me, it, that's a, on a daily basis. We need to be continually saying this is about inclusiveness and accessibility. And for me, accessibility is also about really good sexuality education, which limits people's vulnerability, Max. So it's about kind of, you know, supporting people not to be left vulnerable to abuse and neglect. It's also not leaving them vulnerable to having offending behaviour. But more central to that, I don't want to talk about the risk of this. It's This is the pleasure of life. This is pleasure and and this is the joy of life. These relationships bring all of us joy. And so, yeah, I'm determined to uphold those rights and determined to make sure that every single person that I hang out with has access to really good counselling and education in, in that area. Right, so you get me on my high horse about it. So when I start, no, I, mean, like, I, I, love the passion, I love the passion behind it because one of the things that I am very passionate about as well is, is sort of financial independence, financial literacy. We talk about, you know, giving someone uh, the, the, the ability to go to the shops on their own with, with debit card and, and purchase goods that, as you and I would do and take for granted perhaps. And, you know, that's a, for, for me. And, and I think that extension is exactly that. You know, we're talking about, sort of, you know, um, the, some of the great pleasures in life, which is relationships and and you know, and intimacy and 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 as you say, understanding the nuances of that and and um, you know acceptable and unacceptable and just being able to navigate that, which is a very tricky thing for us all to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I really and and for me, I love I love the passion behind standing up for for individuals rights uh, basic human rights, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 to do so, um, you know on a daily basis as well mm, i think mm. is important and um yeah no so i don't mind getting you on your high horse at all i, love, <laughs> I, love That's good. I can easily be put on it <laughs> uh, well let's say your household name now has this has this changed you once you're now a now a you know, famous tv star oh god i wouldn't <laughs> say famous at all maybe famous in the in our community because people probably hook into it but no strangely i still get um recognized 
yeah, I'll get recognised in the street. It, it uh, you know, I'm just living my day to day life, so it doesn't change much for me. But what it has done is it's given me um, great access to do things like this, you know, chat chat with you and and chat with the broader community and um, work internationally and working it, working really interestingly in two sides because what I've also found is that not only is it working within the disability community where people want to talk more about sexuality and I've sort of found that space has opened up but it's also what I've found is it's it's opened up other areas so I've been talking to just the other night I did um, a keynote for an organization in the UK that a relationship therapist and so the relationship therapist had me talking about autism so you know that they're not so it's actually holding up the two areas supporting people that are working with the general population to be more inclusive of people who communicate differently and learn differently. Um, it's supporting them, but it's also then working within the disability field to sort of talk much more openly about somebody's sexuality rights and and their rights for relationships and adult relationships because we don't talk about this a lot as services. You know, how do we support something simple? How do we support two people who may be in different accommodation services who actually want to have a relationship together? To, you know, how do we support that to happen so that we're not, impinging on their right to have choice in that relationship these are big discussions um so yeah much more you know i don't i don't wake up every morning and say oh jeez i'm on global netflix how exciting (laughs) (laughs) i definitely don't do that you don't get priority service in the local mullum cafes do you they're more pushed to the back when they say push to the back no one one other question i've got for you obviously you are um yeah, the consultant and counsellor that, that has that capacity to do six or eight people a day, as you've mentioned. Mm. Is there a, a, a process whereby the methodologies and the learnings that you have are being um, being uh, are being put down on paper to facilitate other people learning what you know? Is there a is there a standard that you're creating have have signed up for? Is there something? And the reason I ask is one of our our. Uh, goals at, at Ozcare Support is to create various different hubs around the the, the country mm-hmm. that support individuals uh, to access therapies, but not in a therapeutic environment. So it's sort of much more of a social environment, and it's on that cohort of young um, young adults. Um, and I, I'd be keen to know, you know, how do we distill that some of that, Jody, birds and bees? How do we distill some of that? And 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 and, and I'm going to say spread the love, but that's probably not the right phrase. Now, how do we <laughs> how do we how do we share the information and knowledge that you've got with with to make it so that we can have more more people learning about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, you're seeing the tune of lots of people at the moment. Max saying, Jody, why don't you create this? Well, Jody, why don't you do you know it's time? And um, and so at the moment I do offer four services and organizations, you know, I offer training, for, particularly for frontline support workers, where you're talking about people just sort of talking about the attitudes and values and what the organizational policy is based around that sort of stuff. So I offer that. Well, I've been offering it in Australia but internationally, but I've just been recently um, asked if I will put this into some kind of training package so that it, it could be. You know, Max, the problem with me is, and you'd understand it, the, prob- the problem isn't with me. No, let me tell you about my problems. My problem is that I, because I work so individualistically that yep. I change and modify everything I do with yeah, every single yeah, person I work with. Yeah, um, but there is, there is a base... 
there is a base sort of framework that we need to work through and have an understanding of. And the hope is that I can create time to be able to do that so that then any organisation can actually have access to that. But I'm also very, very conscious that we're all time poor and I'm very conscious yeah, that yeah. the people that need to do it as uh, support workers, mainly frontline support workers. So it's just kind of finding the balance. It's once again the, all the theory that's in my head but also having deep understanding of how yeah. organisations work and day-to-day practicalities of professional development for people. So at, at this present moment, I do a lot of um, training for services and organisations, but the hope is is to create this into something that's way more accessible than that. In the yeah, future. great. Well, I know that we, I mean, we are launching some some peer supports workers, and, and we and we're doing that in uh, not currently up in Ballina, but down in Nowra. I know that we would be very very keen to. Uh, have our support workers uh, go through a training course with you so that yeah. they're aware of it. Yeah. Um, and I know that if, if there is the opportunity to, to sign up for that, we, we'd love to. We'd love to. I, I can tell you from my perspective, I, I think what you're doing is is really empowering and really fantastic. I, I love, as you say, um, just 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 uh, the, the the acknowledgement that it's that it's such an important part of of, mm. of everybody's life. Mm. Who you it's, are. it's that thing, Max, that a lot of us don't even talk about sexuality as a general community. So if I said to, just to even anyone, oh, do you know what chi- you know, childhood sexual development is and, you know, what? So what is typical development with our sexuality? A lot of people don't talk about it and no, a lot don't. of people find this um, area very complex and very difficult. You know, sometimes people find it really difficult even to talk to their partner about these intimate, intimate things. So... Yeah, it's a it's an area that I think that as a community we we really need to be much more open about talking about and I and my particular area is just supporting people that have kind of a less access to this information. Or if they're accessing it, they're accessing it on the internet. We all know what that kind of education yeah. can provide. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no, I I I agree with you. It's it's a it's, it's lifelong. Our sexuality is from the moment we're born to the moment that we die and it encompasses so much about who we are and how we present ourselves to the world. And so for me, it's fundamental. Absolutely fundamental. Uh, look, I'm going to wrap it up there. I really want to thank you very much for your time. I know you're busy and, and I appreciate you probably got clients waiting for you. Uh, as I say, I'm, 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 I'm excited uh, for, as an organisation, for us to work with you in the future, I, I'm, I'm pleased that Joe uh, has put me on to you. I, I know that we, I would like anyone that works with us to be aware of some of the work that you do to train the trainer or train the support worker. I, 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 I can I can tell you that we'll we'll be signing up for that. Um, thank you very much, Jade Rogers, Birds and Bees, um, <laughs> and Love on the Spectrum. Thank you very much. Thanks, Max. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Rock Solo People. For more interviews, stay tuned.